Hey everyone, welcome to episode number 45 of the New Slang Podcast. I'm Thomas Mooney, and this week on the pod we have Ross Cooper. Uh, we've been talking about Ross's new record for a while now. It's called I Rode the Wild Horses, and um, today it's officially available for pre-order on iTunes. And so, uh, yeah, this podcast right here is about the record. I guess it's about a month, maybe a couple weeks back now. Or I guess it was about a month ago, uh, over on Wide Open Country, I wrote uh, an interview and and piece on Ross's new record, in which we, uh, I guess, premiered the title track of the record. Um, again, like I think this record is phenomenal. It's uh, really earthy and rootsy, um, and really goes into cowboy culture, actual rodeo life, uh, and just really like life on the road um there's a lot of really great uh sonic qualities to the record because it still sounds in many ways like a there's like this like indie garage rock kind of feel to it too even though it's definitely rooted in uh west texas and uh old school country kind of sounds so yeah anyways we talk a lot about that process of like what what it was for Ross to make the record, how long it took, and uh, everything like that. So, uh, again, it's available for, available for uh, pre-order now on iTunes. So I'll throw a link to that in the show notes. If you go over to Wide Open Country, there's a few new pieces that I've written. One of them earlier this week was a rare hidden gems of Alan Jackson. Um, I always like doing these hidden gems pieces on artists because uh really you you find a lot of context for an artist's career um what i do is i essentially just do a crash course deep dive on an artist where i listen to literally every song they ever recorded and um try and find those gems that never charted that never were released as singles for whatever reason didn't have a whole lot of like uh didn't I guess maybe resonate with uh, a crowd early on for whatever reason and Alan Jackson is uh, if you remember back in the early 90s he was right there with Alan uh, with George Strait and Garth Brooks for whatever reason like those two guys they've had this really great staying power there's still a whole lot of name recognition with those guys but uh, Alan Jackson kind of tailed off in a lot of ways I don't know if that was necessarily his own decisions but um i think like in a lot of ways he was uh more on the forefront and more outspoken than those two guys and uh in a lot of ways like he um was a little bit more on point with the direction with where country was going and like why it was uh it's bad to keep on writing songs about dirt roads and whatnot and something else that's really interesting about his career is that, you know, he wrote the vast majority of those songs. And um, as his career has gone on, he's gotten better as a writer. And it's it's really interesting to see the growth of an artist who, I guess like Alan Jackson's probably in his early 60s now. And he's writing probably the best stuff of his career, even though if you go back and listen to those early 90s like you're in the real world and stuff like that, you're still going to find that those songs are incredible. But it's an interesting transition for him as a as an artist because he's obviously grown and adapted and matured. Another piece that came out today is a track-by-track guide on Wade Bowen's latest record called Solid Ground. Um, over the years, I've talked with Wade numerous times about writing songs in his career and I think this is his best work uh when I talked to him earlier about this record and he he's I guess like really I've talked to him in little tidbits over the last year about it uh primarily though we talked um a couple weeks ago we did like a real deep dive on the record and you know he really talks about how Keith Gaddis who produced the record really challenged him as a songwriter and how uh, like it was a new experience making this record because usually you know you go in there with 20 to 30 songs and kind of cut it down to 
the 11 best that fit together. And this time, you know, he basically showed up that way. And uh, Keith was just like, okay, let's write some more. Let's write some more. And they basically wrote every morning while they were in the studio. And um, Wade was telling me how I guess he wrote like four songs in one week and... You know, they two of them, I guess, made the record or so. Uh, but like how he thought, all right, now we're going to go into the studio and, and really uh, record these records. And Keith's response was like, why would I, why would you want to record right now when you're writing your best stuff right now? And I think like, um, you know, like Wade, I guess he just turned 40 this year or last year. And um, I think like whenever you get, to that age you know uh it's good for a challenge it's good to challenge yourself and i think that um these songs are the best songs that wade's ever written one of the most impressive things about wade is that um is how he's been able to trans transition from being a you know a fun rowdy college bar kind of crowd artist to being a real in-depth uh singer songwriter you know like wade's been calling this his like texas record um and i think a lot of people probably think of that as being like okay he's going to be singing songs about floating the river and getting drunk in austin and whatever you know like the laundry list of cliches uh the the usual tropes about texas and uh you know this artist or this album solid ground is not like a, a buzzfeed list at all uh he gets really serious and um he exposes exposes himself in a lot of ways he's really vulnerable on a lot of stuff while also maintaining a nostalgia and reminiscing kind of feel to it um yeah i i don't want to just like say everything that i said in the article so go over to wide open country and there's a track by track guide on the record and then of course go and uh get wade's record okay uh one last thing if you haven't subscribed to the podcast go ahead and do so you can uh, rate us on itunes if you want and you're if you're listening to on spotify go ahead and follow us so you can just keep on listening to episodes as they come in and um yeah we still have a few of the new slang panhandle shirts available uh they're red and black i'll post the photo online if you want one just to get a hold of me through twitter or on facebook or whatever uh they're 20 bucks and we can ship them anywhere and um yeah anyways here is our uh interview with ross cooper yeah well uh got this new record coming out well first of all thanks for having me back well yeah you always pick good places to have these podcasts because the last one was behind third and leslie Mm -hmm. it's like the coolest venue there and this is the one of my favorite venues in texas for sure um this is usually just out of convenience for everybody i think well i think it works out great i I don't think that um i don't think that there's a place that would work better Mm -hmm. i mean this is kind of the hub of music in this town so it, to me it makes complete sense i think it's awesome yeah well to me it's just like usually it's band who they're about to sound check or yeah. they just sound checked mm-hmm. uh, if you're in town it's a place that's quiet during the afternoon yeah get a couple beers at tom's and just hang out so oh, yeah. but but yes <laughs> march 9th <laughs> to answer i kind of <laughs> just bogarted that uh, uh but yeah march 9th I Rode the Wild Horses finally comes out, which is crazy because I feel, I almost feel like it's already come out, you know, because mm-hmm. I've been, it's been done for a while and I've been getting kind of all the business um, ducks in a row. So um, for me, it doesn't feel old yet. Um, it will, <laughs> but um, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely time to release this record. I'm, yeah, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, it's always one of those things where you make the record and you you hit really like final on the the masters the recording process and then it's another x amount of time getting every all the like you said the the ducks in a row to 
release the record and that's yeah. like where uh the record's gonna be new for everybody march right. 9th except right. it's like already old, yeah. old for you well, in a way and, and plus like the not even including all the the time writing the songs and yeah yeah well for somebody kind of in my shoes you know this kind of feels like a first record and also for somebody in my shoes it takes you know i think it takes a little longer um to get ready for this release because a lot of time is spent building that team you know and it, it is it's really really necessary i feel like to have a team of people around you that you trust um and that want the best for your record and want the best for you too you know um so i feel like i have that team now um yeah, and I'm, I'm glad to be able to release at the beginning of a new year. That gives us the whole year. Um, I think it's going to be like starting February 20, 27th. It's like almost like 20 dates almost in a row. You know? Yeah. So, like, we're hitting it pretty hard. And and then, you know, that's that's just from February 27th to March 25th. Um, and then I can't even think about April yet, you know. April, hopefully, is going to be the same way. But um, I – I could, man, I'm chomping at the bit. I can't wait to get it out. Mm-hmm. Well, like, uh, I remember you sending over some, like, old work tapes. Yeah. It's like, of it, of some of the songs that ended up on the record. Yeah, I that, think I, This I is, like, probably like two years no, ago. I remember. It was, like, 18 songs, and I think only six of those made the record. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good, I think. I don't, I don't, you know, it's such a weird line. Um, song, you know, it's been said before, but... A songwriter's favorite song is always his latest song. Um, but, you know, since that time where I, I had all those work tapes, um, I wrote probably, I know at least 76, 77 more on top of that. Um, which is funny because I remember, I remember kind of, you know, getting the wheels turned for this record. You know, I was talking with a, a buddy in Nashville and he was like, man, that's great that you have, 18 but it'd be really great if you could write 100 more or whatever so i didn't write quite 100 but i wrote in between 70 and 80 yeah um, and it's you find out really fast the songs that you love um and the songs that work well with each other um or kind of tell a story or, or whatever but um i liked that i had a lot to pull from i think this is the first time where i've really had a ton of songs to pull from so hopefully hopefully i chose the you know the ones that kind of make an impact, but there's no way to know. Yeah. There's no well, way to know. It's crazy. I think that, like, that is maybe the biggest difference between Texas and Nashville guys is that typically folks living in Nashville, it you guys are writing all the time, and I think it, it, it obviously makes you into a better writer where you have a, a bigger catalog of stuff to choose from where I've heard so many guys who, from around here, what's well, like, oh, I wrote 10 songs, time to go cut a record. Or like you know, where there's not a whole lot of uh, stuff that they don't end up writing or right. recording. Right, and there are those people though. You know, I think they're fewer and farther between. But there's those people that have ten to twelve songs. They're ready to go, and they jump in a studio, and like it's it's an incredible record. Mm-hmm. Um, like I I was t- talking to, uh, about this kind of same thing with a, with a buddy a couple of days ago. It's funny when you go look, uh, when you listen at um, people's very first record, you know, people that are very much established, their first kind of record sometimes is my absolute favorite record. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, I, you couldn't really say that, I don't think you can really say that Heartbreaker is Ryan Adams' first record, because for me it goes back to Whiskey Town. Yeah. Um, but those, you know, what was the very, was the very first one Faithless Street? You yeah, know? I believe so, yeah. Um, it's just I like that there's – it doesn't have to be perfect. You know what I mean? Um, I like that there's this earnestness in these records and people just want to make music. And, and, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to be said about the people that, that can write ten songs, be proud of them, hit record and hit stop. And that's awesome. And I'm not one of those people. You know, mm-hmm. I, I second-guess um, second a lot of uh, – a lot of songs, and typically, if you're second guessing them, they're not supposed to be on your record. So that's kind of the process for me. Um, I have, I feel like I need to write a lot of songs and um, and have a lot to to choose from. You know. Yeah. You know, like you, obviously up in Nashville, you're writing with a whole lot of different people. How do you 
how do you uh like where do you store your ideas at you know like because i feel like um you're always having to look for a subject yeah Yeah. um well to answer where i store them i mean i have notes upon notes upon notes on my phone and um then i had a i had a notebook um and have a notebook well it's it's like a it's a leather bound you know like planner and Mm -hmm. i filled that sucker up and it's mainly with ideas and songs that made the record so I kind of want to keep that and just put it away and be done with it. You know, not add any more paper, just like kind of stamp it and, and put that somewhere because that that whole binder ended up kind of being like for this record and I didn't mean for it to happen that way. But um, the man, the phone is such a damn good asset. Like yeah. Because um, used to, you know, you'd have to write something down on a piece of paper or whatever and you never know when you're going to see something or just an idea hits and you go to your notes and just, put it there and it's stored away the problem though is i'm really bad about um just starting a new note list over so i have thousands of notes and hundreds of just different ideas that are scattered about you know thousands of of notes yeah that's kind of a pain in the ass yeah i think like the the note thing and i end up with a a bunch of notes on my phone as well Mm -hmm. but i also end up with just thousands or not thousands but you know like 50 alarms because i just go like hey siri Set an alarm for yeah. whatever time. And she, she's actually listening right now. <laughs> uh, but And then, like, you actually open your damn alarm thing, and then there's, like, a hundred of them. Yeah. And you're like, what yeah. the hell? I forgot. Anyways. But, so, I guess, like, what do you, when, whenever you're, you go into a co-write like that, do you always have kind of like three or four ideas that you want to start out with? I, I'd like And, like, to. pitch first? Yeah, or I do. I like to be prepared. Um and not saying walking into a co-write without something um, is being unprepared, but for me, I feel like I'm at my best if I can come in with a couple of chord progressions, two or three, and like either three or four ideas or titles, you know, and just have um, kind of a if all else fails. I really like getting in a room and coming up with something organically in the room, you know, yeah. talking with somebody. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, I like writing with new people. A lot of people don't. Um, I like writing with new people um, and finding out, you know, about that person, whatever, and, um, you know, kind of bouncing ideas about what they, what's going on in their life. Uh, I've found that, like, the people that I'm really comfortable writing with a lot, we hit roadblocks all the time now because we know each other so well. So that's kind of where it's, for me, it's been good to kind of have an idea, you know, like, if I've I have an idea in my phone. I'm like, okay, so-and-so would be perfect for this. So I'm writing with so-and-so next week. Yeah. I make sure I bring, and I'll put like initials next to that title or whatever. Um, which I don't know, a lot of people tell you, like you never want to hold punches. You never want to hold titles, but I do think that there's ideas that some people are going to, you know, it, it's going to work for some people and for other people, it's going to be completely different. I mean, you're, you're not going to, if you have a, if you have a really like, kind of folky idea it's probably not like the best idea to bring it into a music row top 40 yeah co-ride you know it's it's gonna go it's it's apples and oranges it's 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 kind of you know it's a waste of time for you and it's a waste of time for the other person yeah too. well i know like um if you just look at look at uh like will's rose queen yeah i think that's like maybe a really great example or even the new one um not the new like a bear island but uh, Ringling Road. Yeah. Like if you, there's a, a song with BA on it mm-hmm. that feels like a remedy. It feels like a yeah. a, a BA song. Totally. Rose Queen feels like a Kenneth O'Meara song. Yep. Ringling Road feels way more your style. Like, and I think it's one one of those things where they all feel like Will too. But like he right. he wouldn't have approached you with something that yeah he had that yeah. idea already in mind. Right. Or, I, I get it. You um, know. On this record, uh, there's a song that um, I wrote with uh, Andrew Combs and uh, Jordan Lanning, and it sounds to me to me it sounds more like a Andrew Combs song, and I love that. But mm-hmm. when we got in the studio, it ended up kind of kind of becoming more of my wheelhouse. But that's why I love love co-writing. Um, whatever I do from you know after this record, hopefully I'm able to put out another record. Whatever I do after that, I, I kind of want to try to write everything myself because, uh, you know, I used to write everything myself. And then I figured out that 
just wasn't that strong. <laughs> you know, like I was either hit or miss, and most of the time it was kind of miss. And it took being in rooms with people and learning from other like songwriters that I really respected to, to you know, make me feel like I, I grew a little bit. And I'd like to, you know, sit down and write 12, 15, yeah. of, you know, on my own. I went from having one code write on my last record to like seven on this one. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's interesting. It's interesting, but I do love, I do love co-writing. It's a, I love creating that, you know, being in, being in another room with a couple people and, you know, most of the time you get shit. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's kind of few and far between. I feel like when that kind of magic happens, that kind of lightning strikes or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but when it does, it's like, I think the coolest takeaway in my mind is like, I would, that song wouldn't have existed had I not written it with another person or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, th- I just, I think it's so cool. And that's the, that's the thing with the, um, with the Combs co-ride and Jordan Lanning. Love what those dudes do. And, uh, it was like a super easy ride. It was an hour and a half, I think maybe. And I'm proud as hell of the song. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like on that, when we went out on the 806 songwriter mm-hmm. retreat, talking later with uh, a couple people like BA, he mentioned that, you know, he thought, uh, you came in and gave a, I, I okay. Everyone went down there to have fun, write mm-hmm. songs, but like also you know relax and see people that you hadn't seen forever, all that kind of good right. stuff. Um, but like you came in with a couple ideas that you had that you wanted to do. For example, that one song you wrote with Wade. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, with Wade and, and Ba. Yep. Yeah, and you 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 kind of had a few things that you wanted to. Maybe you didn't even say this to yourself, but you had a couple things that you wanted to check off at oh, this time. Absolutely. And oh, yeah, I'll definitely admit it. I think like there's a, a little bit of, you know, not that anyone's an MVP of a thing like that, but you you probably came out there with no, with some, I, or I, came out of there with some good songs and like. Well, I appreciate uh, that. I think I other people would. looked at you as well and kind of saw like, oh, there's some professionalism with it. Well. I think a lot of that, I appreciate that. I think it's bullshit, <laughs> but I'll take it. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I looked at it like, dude, there's not a weak songwriter in that retreat. Mm-hmm. There wasn't. Um, so whoever you got paired with, hell yeah. You know, like it was exciting. And I don't get to see everybody as much as I used to. Yeah. So, um, you know, inherently. Especially not at one damn time. Exactly. Exactly. So inherently, there's time to hang out. You know, there's no matter what, there's going to be time to yeah. take shots and drink beer and play songs around the campfire. That was going to happen no matter what. Um, but like I said, didn't go. I don't get to see those people. You know, all those guys, my buddies. I don't get to see them often. And so, yeah, it's like a one. It's once a year. <laughs> you know, a retreat where it brings everybody together. Um, yeah, I was. I wanted to get in and, and write. And write some songs and still have a good time. And I'm I'm glad with the songs that we got too. Uh, I think like everyone wanted to do that, but like I think, um, I know like Ba was saying how last the year before he had thought of a couple of ideas for certain people that yeah. if he got matched with them, mm-hmm. like there's this new song on Randall's record mm-hmm. called Mirror Mirror, mm-hmm. and it's like this old style Keith Whitley yeah. kind of right. And he said, you know. I, he had that idea in case he and he wanted to pull up pull Randall to the side and like hey, let's write this you know yeah. and it ends up being a song on right. Randall's next record um I think like you you kind of he was saying like how he didn't necessarily have that this time like he wasn't as prepared maybe well but like uh or he didn't have any fresh ideas or right. you know that kind of thing which is that part of it <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean it's it's part man like that's 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 absolutely part of it. Um, it's it's a really strange thing, you know. I think it's sometimes it's really hard um, to to start, you know, as a writer. Like it's it's like sitting behind a typewriter and just starting, you know what I mean? Making yourself start. Yeah. Um, but sometimes like it's just not that easy. No matter it doesn't matter if you are at a writer's retreat surrounded by you know a bunch of different great writers. Like if you're not in the if you're not in that headspace, you're probably not going to get anything. Yeah. But, uh, like, you like Kerouac, right? Mm-hmm. So, was it Big Sur? 
Have you have you read that? Isn't that Kerouac? Yeah, it is. Yeah, but I'm okay. not so, so Big Sur, you know, he had that cabin out there in California, and um, basically what that's that whole thing's about is he went out there and by himself in the woods and like got nothing, you know, and then came back years later and wrote about being out in the middle of nowhere and getting nothing. Yeah. Um, so I think there's, if you don't get something, um, you know, initially that doesn't mean you're not going to get something later on. Yeah. But I always think too, for me, just when I'm having any kind of trouble writing something, I'll just start from the middle. Yeah. Just go from it from that point. Like, what do I want to say? What's one thing I want to say? Yeah. And then just, go from there but uh <laughs> yeah and that was a fun uh retreat it was a lot of fun i felt like Hammer who else did you it. who else did you write with you wrote with I wrote wade with, and uh ba or uh yeah wade, wade and, BA. and ba and then i wrote with uh benton and charlie and uh i hate that benton had he had to leave early but yeah. um we ended up finishing a song that i'm really proud of i really 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 like and then uh me josh and cleto and uh, I th- the idea was super strong, but you know it didn't flesh out. That's, that's part yeah. of it. Um, but yeah, it was a. As far as I'm concerned, I, I got to write with some pretty damn good people. I was I was excited that whole time. I felt awful when I got back to Nashville. <laughs> I felt I needed like a day just to like turn off my phone and sleep. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, yeah, yeah. Sleeping on that stage, man. The the outdoor <laughs> stage at LJT. It was so cold. It was so cold. It was kind of cold that entire time. I felt fine. I was nice and warm. Yeah, I slept outside, but it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I, that inside stage, I don't know how y'all st- slept on there either, though. It was too hot. For, it was too cold outside and too hot inside. It's Mark Chestnut song. Just <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Uh, those guys, I, I guess they slept fine. I started out on that uh, that. I get that. I get the main stage. I yeah. guess. Um, and in a sleeping bag, and uh, I had my boots beside me, and my hat on top of my boots, and it kept blowing my hat off the stage. And <laughs> there's a point I was like, "Shit, I'm just gonna leave it. I'm, I'll find it here in a little bit." There's like nothing I could do. And then uh, it kind of dawned on me. I was like, "I can just, I can just go inside." Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't to, don't have to act. There's tough. no point. There's no. There's no. There's no point of sleeping out on this frigid stage. Yeah. There's a wind tunnel. Good lord. <laughs> I like how uh, that first night though, that wind was blowing harder than hell, and half of Charlie's damn tent blew down. <laughs> he went inside too. Was it, uh, what was that? What was that tent called? It was, Sha- like was it Shafter's, Shafter's quarters? Sha- General Shafter's quarters. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. General Shafter's quarters. <laughs> yeah, a massive tent. We could have all fit in that damn tent, and it wouldn't have blown away. <laughs> but I but. hope he's there next year, and I hope he sets up that tent in that exact same spot. That's where he set it up the, the year before. So <laughs> I think it's a that's just going to be a thing from now on. That's awesome. That's awesome. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, a lot of fun. I think uh, you know this is one of those things where we'll forget more shit, more funny shit that happened there oh than my we'll. Gosh, yeah ever remember because there's just a lot of fun yeah the uh the piece you wrote on it was good it kind of hit the nail on the head it was a it was just it was a good summation of of those two or three days yeah i wish i could have written it longer but you know they were wanting nine hundred thousand words which is that's kind of like well it's long something to it's long until the until you start editing you know it's like oh man I'm sure you probably had pages upon pages upon pages of that trip. <clears throat> yeah. What was your What was your favorite part? Um. I like the uh, I like the kind of the unwind after the you know the day. I like I like the feeling of finishing because um, that's how it happened both the nights. You know, I was able to get a song um, in my groups, and then. Uh, it was kind of for me. It's like that's a it's a blast writing a song, but it's also like it's this not like a, a relief like a oh got that over with. It's like a hell yeah you know like yeah like we we got one whether good or bad we got one. Um, so it's it kind of you can kind of unplug a little bit you know and just kind of hang out. That kind of that 
a little transition time where you just finish the song and then you can kind of start letting loose a little bit and yeah cooking and drinking and all the all the things yeah yeah that was that was my the the fire probably or you know the sitting around the fire when it was in its prime (laughs) it's probably you know the the 2 a.m uh span of time and not the 4 a.m you know when when everybody (laughs) was still around the fire markham um daniel markham singing um friends in low places and doing the third verse and the the garth monologue yeah (laughs) It, it was all fun it was all fun yeah markham man he not only played garth brooks he he played old like one wolf songs he played uh, uh it was fun i was i forgot about that just, yeah you're right yeah forgot about that i mean but anyways um getting on to the the record though like uh how long were you how long did you guys cut the record how long was it so trying to shape was, out and everything the actual studio time we did it in two sessions because uh eric my producer got so dang busy that it was just it was it was what we kind of had to do and there was three or four months between those um between those sessions and the first session we did it uh we did the first half the record basically we did three days we cut three songs in the first two days and then we did overdubs on the third day and uh we honestly got most stuff um we got most of the tracks when we were cut them you know a lot like we we cut them a lot so there wasn't a ton of overdubs and then the second session we did uh four days we did two or three days again of cutting and it's crazy it's it you know i'm used to it taking like a couple months to record a record you know you do a song and you sit on it and you layer it then you go do another song it was nuts like you know when you have the band that's that's the right fit and these guys can play anything you know they uh they jump in and we get it knocked out and it's just like whoa holy shit like that that didn't take that didn't take any time at all yeah um but it's like there's you you couldn't have done it again and done it done it better you know and then um the fourth day we did third and fourth day we did final vocals so we did like six songs a day Mm -hmm. so uh on this record you really kind of pull back from your old rodeo days of yeah well it's i i wrote i wrote the wild horses um wrote it by myself and i wrote it in i don't know 30 minutes or an hour it, it wasn't a wasn't a lot of time um but i started playing it out and i started playing it to some people and uh it was kind of one of those things. It was like, well, I, I really love this, and I don't know if anybody will. And then these people that I really didn't think would get it started, like, kind of digging into the song. I was like, that's cool. That's a compliment, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't – it was just a song that was, like, really fun to write, and uh, I loved it. And I didn't – at that point, I don't know if I was even thinking about a record yet. And then uh, when I was thinking about a record, it took about five seconds to figure out the title track. I was like, it's got to be I Rode the Wild Horses. And – you know, there's about three or four songs on that record that I kind of pull from from rodeo days. Obviously, I rode the wild horses. You know, from start to finish is, is kind of a story story song um, uh, about kind of the the old rodeo hands. But you know, there's a traveling song, and then um, you know, even uh, like old crow whiskey and cornbread moon is kind of it's kind of that same feeling. You know, but I wanted. <clears throat> I wanted I Rode the Wild Horses to set the tone for the record. I wanted it to be the first track, the um, the title track, and it kind of be like a lock it or hate it, this is what I do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's I'm, – I'm, I'm pretty proud of it still. It's yeah. Been, it's been months since the I record. I think, you know, done. it's like the – it fits really well, not just like in the tones and the textures of the, of the record overall, the way it sounds, mm-hmm. but also like – um, there's a couple rodeo songs, a couple cowboy kind of songs, right? Mm-hmm. And there's like, uh, you know, late night driving songs, yeah, yeah, lonely at the bar songs, yeah. yep. and then like I think something else that's um fits in the the idea of the concept record. Um, my example always is is like Springsteen, uh, like the river, right? Mm-hmm. All the slow 
sad songs or about these, you know, working class dudes. Yeah. And then all like the real uh, loud anthems. Those are the songs those dudes are listening to on the radio. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. in a way. Right. Uh, I think there's a little bit of that, you know, on this record. That's a that's a cool way to to put that. Um, yeah, it's so crazy. With the slow songs, um, I really wanted to put together a record of songs that I was proud of, fast or slow. And for a breakout record, or not a breakout, like a – kind of what would what would be like a first record kind mm-hmm. of again you know i put out three albums and this feels like my first record completely um but for like a debut album or something like that i feel like a lot of people really want to put out like an album full of like these kind of bangers you know these kind of these up-tempo fast songs and it's we're in a singles market apparently now or everybody's putting out singles and, and eps and that's cool that's that's just not what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I think there's a lot of worth in people that are putting out complete albums. And those albums, I mean, dude, look at Miranda Lambert's double disc. It's like if you needed, and that's uh, maybe that's an anomaly because it's Miranda uh, Miranda Lambert, but, I mean, that record kicked ass and it was like 22, 24 songs. You yeah. Know? So I don't, I, I will never think that an album is, is completely dead. Um to me, it's kind of like the same thing saying, like telling a writer, you should just write short stories. What's the point of writing a book? You know, it takes too long to, <laughs> to read a book. You might as well just write short stories. It's write for a, TV. <laughs> do what? Write for TV. Yeah, exactly. You should write for TV. There's no sense of putting out books. Like, there's no market for books anymore. Like, that's, no, that's 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 bass backwards. It's, it should be, I feel like if you're a writer and um, you consider yourself an artist or have something to say, uh, put it down and try to tell a story and, um, those are the records that I love personally, and those are the like that's the type of record I just I've already put out an EP. I, I, I wanted to put out a full length album, so um, slow songs included. I yeah. didn't want to put twelve songs that were just bam bam, you know, banger kind of like up tempo songs. A because I didn't have that many up tempo banger songs. <laughs> it's like hard to write the you know the like really great ones. Um, and I don't think I have any, I don't think I have any of those. Um, but I like albums that tell stories and kind of have a theme throughout, and I like slow songs, and I don't know. I think there's – it's a weird concept if there's not a place for a slow song on a record. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that, like, obviously it's singles. Mm-hmm. People's attention spans are shorter than ever. But, you know – 10 years from now the record is still going to be the record yeah you know yeah and um i think that like as as time goes by obviously a record ages way way better than an ep or than a a single will that's a great way to put it i completely agree with that um yeah it's easier to to forget a a single from five to ten years ago than it is a record an album Mm -hmm. album yeah. Good point, man. Well, like uh, one of the songs on there you mentioned just now, Old Crow Whiskey, mm-hmm. Cornbread Moon. Mm-hmm. It was with Paul Cawthon, right? Yeah. Um, I had the – and it was a lot slower in finger um, – kind of a finger-picking tune. Um, and I had the first verse and chorus. And Paul and I were writing. He came over to the house, and we wrote a song, and then uh, – we got we, we got the song we wrote like knocked out really fast, and uh, he's like, "Hell, you want to dig into another one?" And I was like, "Absolutely." I said, "I got this song, but I don't know." Like I'm I, I love Guy Clark. I'm probably the, the biggest Guy Clark fan. I know everybody says that you know about themselves, but love Guy Clark. But it sounded like a, a Guy Clark song, and I didn't want to you know just the the way the uh, chord tra- the chord progression was and kind of the finger picking, and Paul came in. And just kind of started strumming this different, this kind of different um, strum pattern, and it just kind of transformed it. And then he helped, you know, he he tied up the second and third verse, and like it turned into what it is. And now, like, I, I love it. And uh, as far as I know, it's still going to be on his record as well, the new one coming out. I'm not really sure. I haven't talked to him um, in a little bit, but yeah, it was uh, that guy. Man, he's a 
he's so dang talented. Yeah. Well, that that song right there is your is your banger right there. You think so? <laughs> Quote banger. No, it's a it's a fucking good song. Like right when you right when it comes on, you can just you you can tell there's like a a shift. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just feels like um like you've known it forever, but That's like good. without ever. I, and also, <laughs> if he does cut it on this new on his next record. I like that kind of shit because you don't really see that a whole lot. Well, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, I've heard the way they recorded it too. Um, I know what it sounds like. I just don't know if they're, if it's still making the record and it's, it's so cool what they did to it. And it's really different from how I did it. Um, which it, it could have been, you know, we could have done carbon copies of each other and I still would have been like that. Yeah. Cool. You know? Yeah. Um, but it's really cool to hear their interpretation of it. You know. I think uh, Combs and Brent Cobb did it, did that as well. Yeah, they, uh, they, they, they both cut. Song. Yeah, yeah. Well, I th- they, it's I think it's titled something different on. Yeah. Uh, Shine on rainy day. Yeah. Uh, but I think it's on. One uh, of them is rainy day song. Yeah, and the other yeah on Shine Combs on record, it's a rainy day song. That's a good I song think that though too. All these dreams album is the one it was on. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that's a beautiful song. That's I, gonna be a song you look back in ten years and it's still like a holy moly type of song. I remember whenever. Like, uh, it was after he had put out his first record mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm looking online, seeing if he, you know, hinting at a new record uh, and Combs? yeah, the and one that had like a, like two stone to cry and some of that stuff. Yeah. That was the yeah. first record. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I fucking love that record. And yeah. so I'm looking for, you know, is he writing anything else, you know? And I found like where he had cut, uh, rainy day song and, um, month of bad habits and he had done them for like this youtube video mm-hmm. channel thing and like i'm not one who always just will go to youtube and just right. watch a video yeah or like have it playing but there for about a month i would just have those songs going back and forth i think i know just because like what video you're talking about. they were first yeah. off they were done really well but mm-hmm. also they just sounded amazing and those songs are man for 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 my money that dude is one of my favorites. I, I don't think it, I, he's he's phenomenal. I mean, he's got a phenomenal voice. He's a great songwriter. He's a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Andrew Combs. What did you uh, What did you write with him on this record? Lady of the Highway. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I can wrote hear it, the... it was double time. You know, it sounded like a. It, and that's kind of why it sound to me. It sounded like an Andrew Combs song. And then we brought it in the studio, and you know, we slowed it. Down. Well, it was at halftime, and. Uh, it just kind of took on a different personality, but um, we went to, I met Andrew and uh, Jordan landing at uh, a place in Eastside um, to get margaritas before we were going to write, and uh, we got a picture of margaritas, and we were just kicking around ideas, and I said, man, I just, I don't have like a, a road song, you know, like a highway song to where you're just, that, that point where you're just so tired that you start seeing stuff on the side of the road, you know, that kind of, that, that type of, of song. And, uh, Andrew's like, he's like really kind of quiet. You know, like, well, I had this title lady of the highway, you know, about like kind of, you know, a lady of the highway kind of watching over you on the road. And I was like, that is perfect, man. That is so perfect. And we, so we wrote the verses and like, we wrote the first verse like really quick. We got the chorus. I was like, what's this course going to be? And then Jordan was like, I think you just say it. I think you just say lady of the highway. It was a, it was a really fun ride, but that was definitely, he absolutely had that title. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm glad that he let me <laughs> use it, you know, yeah. share it. So. Yeah. <laughs> now you wrote a song on here with Will as well. Yeah. I wrote, um, Cowboys and Indians. I think that's going to be a song that like, what's going to be funny about that is there's going to be a whole lot of irony. In the people who listen to that song, I think so too. And <laughs> I think so too. I think it's well. I've there, never had. There's a, gonna be a whole lot of this is my song. People saying that, yeah, without like them realizing. Yeah, it's it's may, maybe so. It's gonna be interesting to see, and it could be, you know, it could be a, a sleeper that nobody pays attention. You just you know, again, you don't you don't ever know. But um, will I had kind of had the idea. And uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of hats in in Nashville. It's like it, the Tim McGraw or Jason Aldean type of hat, which is fine if you want to wear that. Yeah. Or it's like the you know kind of the resurgence of the urban cowboy. 
era type of you know hat but you know bud and sissy type of thing and <laughs> i was talking with will and he was like that's even more reason why you should wear a hat because you have the background like you've lived it and blah 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 you know and i, I didn't have like um so to just kind of be that you know that kind of a, a aggressive up in your face kind of quote unquote middle finger type of song um it was fun to write it was fun to write yeah but it was but when he said that when it was kind of the, the light came on you know um because he's right there's there's not there's not a lot of cowboys at all in middle tennessee um and so it's kind of for me it's something to be proud of um and for i just looked at it kind of like that and will was he you know his view of it was like it was almost kind of like a you should show them what they're you know like show them what the what kind of the real you know the real thing is like kind of not really rub their nose in it but yeah you know it's Anyway, <laughs> so. well, it's like, uh, you know, I posted on Instagram the the album cover mm-hmm. of your oh. record and some <laughs> yeah. guy was like, was funny. you know, is this just one of them urban cowboys, blah, blah. I've never the, been on a horse. And yeah, I was like, the Levi jacket. Or yeah. yeah, the yeah. Levi ja- and I was like, well, actually, uh, a really funny exchange when that little exchange happened. I kind of sat back and, and, and watched it. <laughs> Because it was also and, like at like one one o'clock in the morning right, or something. Right, you could tell the guy was uh, he wanted to be really annoyed and and, <laughs> and justly so. Good for him, yeah. you know. But uh, and then he had my back on that one, and then he was just like, "Oh, well, cool," <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> like it was like the most friendly, <laughs> like least confrontational exchange that you know could have gone the other way. It was it was funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, but on the other hand, to play devil's advocate, I do think it's something good uh, when, you know, there's kind of a resurgence of some kind of um, cowboy culture, especially when it's a, it's a you know, it's a di- in some parts of the world, it's a dying culture. Um, and it's so a tip of the hat to people that, that, you know, that if you want to wear a hat and boots, go ahead, man. Like, yeah. Well, look, one of the things, too, is. You know, I was talking to my friend Jeff Dennis about this. I'm not saying those people are cowboys. About you know what I mean. Yeah, so, yeah sorry, yeah. I, it was yeah. like just jumbled up there. But you know, it's um, we were talking about the whole authentic, gen, genuine thing, right? Mm-hmm. And the big old thing is, it's better to be genuine with just a little bit of authenticity. A little bit of authenticity mm-hmm. goes a long mm-hmm. way, but mm-hmm. being genuine is what what matters. But um, also, it was like the whole you don't like the like the the real most of the rough and tough cowboys couldn't write a song if they and you don't want to listen to their songs really because they probably are not able to you know what i mean to be the same way as like um listening to guys about coal mining but like if you ask them to write a song a coal miner they probably couldn't yeah write a song that you'd want to there's a and that's kind of it brings up something interesting too that um you know, I grew up listening to to rodeo songs. I, I grew up listening to Chris Ledoux and in mm-hmm. Tyson songs and Tom, Tom Russell songs, but also listened to like surf rock and like just indie garbage and uh, singer songwritery stuff. You know, and a lot of guys I used to travel with, you know, those kind of there was these staple rodeo songs that kind of have a sound, and I love those songs. Um, and this, you know, I rode the wild horses. For me, it's not really a rodeo song, but it is. You know what I mean? It's 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 a it's a story with um, with kind of rodeo and being the the medium of that story or yeah. being the the subject of the story. Um, but you know, if you A and B that song with uh, like a Chris Do song, it's not gonna sound like a Chris Do song. It sounds more like a dang Tom Waits song. <laughs> you know, as, as far as the production and whatnot yeah. goes. Um, so it's it's kind of a it's a song that I pulled a lot of my life from, but it's not necessarily a rodeo song, like a, a rodeo song. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think this record is just the best damn thing you've done, oh, but thanks, I also, I, I just think it's a damn good record. Thank you. you. Know? Thank you. Um, man, I hope so. It's, you know, the songs are, 
it's like they're my babies, but some people have ugly babies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like every it's everybody's uh, really close to the songs they write, and they should be. But I think um, it's really hard to be objective about them and and know whether or not that that baby is pretty or ugly. And hopefully we hopefully this album works out. You know, and, yeah. and I hope I hope people enjoy it as much as I enjoyed making it. That's the goal. You know, um, the go out for a year and make no money on the road basically and and sp- spread this album and and see what happens you know? yeah and and hopefully where are where all uh where are you guys going where so the first all is the, the north carolina is like the first stop and then uh we will do texas later in the month but um indiana uh missouri um Tennessee, uh, I think we're doing Atlanta, um, we're doing Indiana, and I think Illinois, so it's kind of like the neighboring states of Tennessee, Yeah, and I think it borders like eight states or something like that, um, and we get to end that tour uh, here, basically, we end at Blue Light on March 24th, um, and then we're going to go do... Um, a thing in Dallas on that Sunday, um, the Sunday going back home. It's just an acoustic thing, but it's it'll be really cool to to start that tour and start it here. Yeah, and I think uh, I don't want to over overstep because we had two. We had a we we figured out a different date for the um, Blue Light show, um, but initially it was going to be like March 9th or something. Anyway, date didn't work out, um, but Brandon. Will you come play with us at for the CD release show um, when we come back to love it? And uh, so I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and it'll be a hell of a good time. <laughs> well, sounds like it. Yeah, I'll be here. So, well, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to go grab a beer? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thank you for coming up here. <laughs>